can see how bad my roots are on here. <laughs> At least it's roots and it's here. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Yeah, you're speaking to the wrong crowd here, Anna. <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, Lou. Um, hello, everyone. Welcome to the ATPHD team podcast, episode number 33. Yeah, we were just talking about being bald because two out of three of us are <laughs> right now. Um, how are you guys? How are you, Louis? I'm not too bad, thank you. Um, yeah, I think everyone's feeling a little bit still, but uh, we're soldiering on through. But how are you? I am well, thank you very much. I just had a well, I've just been blocked by a professional coach on um, Instagram who's not who I don't know who she is, but she well, I just got blocked by her this second before I came on this podcast because she um. She's messaged me before about some advice that I gave and she just replied with lots of like confused emojis and I was like, would you like me to explain something? And she, she basically told me I was wrong. Anyway, then she messaged me in response to my hair loss and said, that's a perfectly normal amount of hair loss. And the American XYZ Association says, this is how you should lose 100 hairs per day. And I was like, does that look like 100 hairs per day? I said, thank you for your input, but I know what's normal for me. And she replied saying, it could be your body composition, but you probably know that already. It's like, <laughs> excuse me? And I replied saying, excuse me, and she didn't reply. I just thought, okay, I don't put my body out there very much anymore, but I put my body out there enough to know that I, like, I'm um, healthy. Not that we're healthy as a size, and we won't get into that, but realistically, it's not my body composition. So then she blocked me before she, like, she even got the chance to respond because I was, obviously she could tell I was livid. But she's a professional coach, and I just think, you're sliding into someone's DMs, commenting on their body composition. Another professional coach. When you're clearly the, the audacity, that's what it is. Audacity. So, uh, other than that, I'm fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a really badly timed message. Um, how are you, Anna? <laughs> because people can see through <laughs> when I say I'm fine. <laughs> I was having a couple of really great weeks and genuinely yesterday I was like, do you know what? My anxiety has been brilliant. And then last night hit and it was like, boom. Um, so today's been, well, I've just done a lot of yoga and a few crying sessions and I'm feeling much better now. So <laughs> Equally important. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So yeah. I'm okay at the moment. <laughs> um, we'll just we'll just see. Take it each day as it comes. Oh, that's all we can do right now, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, are there any topical things we need to talk about? I don't think there are, to be honest. This week, I said, do you guys have you guys seen any? I was thinking that, um, but I don't think has anything come up. Um, There's a lot of arguing on social media, but I'm kind of staying out of it. Have you have you two seen it? yeah yeah it's i think a lot of people are spending a lot of time at home with too much time on their hands and want to get themselves heard and i'm just a bit at, at the moment with instagram i'm just not on it i just can't really spend time on there because i find it such a opinionated and toxic place for people and everyone just whether it's good or bad they're looking for engagement in any way possible I'm just a bit like just grow up a little bit and like people are struggling and yeah. like they don't they don't need you shaming them and I've seen coaches as well this week they've previously spoke about positive body image and then 
um, or like improve uh, being um, compassionate and kind and not judging people by their shape. And I was like, amazing. And then they've put up an image of someone on their stories going, look at the state of that. And I'm like, no. and, it's someone, and it's someone famous. And I was, I was like, I don't like this person, what they do and they stand for as in the person they were talking about, but I'd never go and attack them and their physique. And it's just like, Oh, I'm just a bit, it, I think there's a lot of, like we say, I think we said it quite a while ago, but I think a lot of people talk about being kind, compassionate, all these types of things because it's on trend mm-hmm. and don't necessarily believe it. And it, yeah, it just, yeah, I'm just a bit meh with it all at the moment. So I haven't really seen a huge amount on there apart from those, because whenever I see something like that, I just go, I'm a bit triggered. So I'm going to step away for a bit. Mm, I know. And I think more, I wish more people did that. Like I wish more people did that. It's just, it seems to be at the moment that it's not intelligent conversation. It's sticking people's heads on memes and things like that. And it's just, it's so boring. And I feel like I'm in a playground. It's like, is this really what our professional careers are right now is, is this type of conversation. And it's, I was speaking to Dr. Mike about this because he actually did a great podcast with James Smith um, that I recommend actually people listen to because Dr. Mike is obviously the voice of nuance a lot of the time. And and I don't normally listen to fitness podcasts, but he asked me to listen to it for feedback. And so I did. And it was great. And, you know, he was talking about, you know, everyone does, like you said, Louis, everyone's got a lot of time right now. And social media can be so great. And I genuinely have taken to it more recently because I'm in a good place and I love being able to put more stuff out. But it's people are coming a lot at the moment from a they've got a lot of time and b they've got a lot of fear and they've got a lot of anxiety and it's very hard to be pragmatic and nuanced and not identify with all of these things when you are overly emotional or you're you're living in fear and I don't necessarily mean living in fear of COVID I mean whatever it could be um so it's just it's difficult to watch but it's all understandable it's just, I, I just don't know where it ends. So. I, I, dread, I dread to think. Yeah. Um, anyway, why have I got on my podcast list of questions, New Year? As in, like, the title of this week's questions that I've got is New Year. Clearly, I was slightly deluded on <laughs> Um, Is that Chinese New Year? <laughs> I don't know when that is. So that was, I think it. it was last weekend. I mean, I didn't I know that. But I'm that's me. That. That's me just claiming that. I don't, I don't know for sure. I think I saw there was, it was loads of controversy. It was recent. Yeah, I think the there's loads of controversy over. I think Boris Johnson posted something about it, and then it, there was a oh, lot yeah. of horrible and hateful comments. And that's unfortunately that's the only reason that I knew it was, which is probably not great for me, as in I should be a bit more aware of other cultures. But the um, yeah, that's pro- that. That might be the only reason I can think that you've put New Year down. Oh, I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm in one of those states where every day is all one day. Yesterday, all I did, I was working like non-stop and I got Domino's on Tuesday night. And yesterday, where again, when I was going to Dr. Mike last night and he said, how was your day? And I, he said, I'm just making some, he was making cauliflower hash browns. He said, don't judge me, I'm, I'm eating these. And I had a protein bar for lunch and I was like, I had Domino's, a large Domino's pizza for lunch and a Cadbury share bar and a protein shake for dinner. And he was like, you're, you're vile. Like, yep, that's me. <laughs> like, you do make me feel better. But yeah. Anyway, that's how my brain is going right now. Just, just on that, I think, like, the days are going slow, but the weeks are going quick. Like, they're just, 
merging and then like you said I, I can't tell you what I did earlier apart from go outside for a run that's it it's just it's just because you're just in the same space all the time and have been for a very long time but not complaining got a crack on and sort of just embrace it as if I chose it that's the phrase isn't it that's it's an is that it quite totally phrase um I think it is, or is it Victor Frankl? One of those two. But I heard it from um, the liquid thinker, Damien Hurst, is it? The PhD psychologist um, on the High Performance Podcast. So I got pointed towards one of them too. Or he he brought up that phrase. I was like, oh, that's an amazing phrase. You know, it's very weird because I posted the exact same quote about I don't know when I heard it it's obviously not one you've seen but like it's really weird and it must have been in a completely different context too I think I heard it on like an Oprah Winfrey podcast or something but it, and it might have been it culturally and that's obviously yeah. where it's that might be where it's come from anyway I like that saying hard to do sometimes but I like it nonetheless yeah. <laughs> um, okay this is a really general topic to start and I told her we would cover it in the podcast because I couldn't really answer it in a check-in because it's so it's just a general chat the question or topic is managing emotion, managing emotions and dieting, and also just managing lockdown gen- like generally. That's the topic. So I suppose, uh, how do we like how? What are good ways to manage our emotions? Manage dieting? Manage lockdown? Any of the above? I like what you posted the other day, Amelia, that emotion wheel, was it? Or feelings wheel? Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the first things to do, I think we spoke about the last week's podcast, is just being able to identify what you're feeling. And instead of just knowing that you're uncomfortable and then feeling discomfort and then reaching, for example, for food in comfort, because that's more comforting. When you sense that discomfort going, what I'm actually feeling right now is an important thing to be able to do, because if we know what the feeling is then we might be able to identify where it's coming from and then we might be able to identify what is the best way to proceed with this and how to deal or manage with it and I'm not going to say that I think we have spoke about this previously that we get it gets painted in the light that feeling sad or feeling down or anxious or are bad things that they're just they are what they are and instead of categorizing them as bad and feeling like you're letting yourself down or others down because you're feeling this way understanding it and feeling it as the emotion and not hiding away from it or burying it and I I posted today it's like um, when you suppress something it goes down to the basement and lifts weights and it gets bigger and stronger and it will come back at some point when and it'll blindside you and that's when like we know with all all sorts of things when when you're when you're feeling at your lowest that's when other things come in so it's not usually just one thing that will blindside you it'll be a whole wave of all these emotions that you've suppressed so instead of putting them away and letting them grow actually just assessing them not judging them and embracing them for what they are and then finding the best way to deal with them forward is going to prevent you from feeling it a lot worse further down the line yeah on that note I just want to say by the way the feelings wheel is something that I hadn't used in a long long time and then our some of the girls were commenting on the Facebook group and it was actually Natasha that brought it back to light one of my clients who who said she's got this and Seagull also posted something great on it so if that was something that that people wanted to know the the purpose of the feeling wheel is because often we 
are um, like we brought up quite emotionally stunted, in, especially in Britain, but in Europe. Um, I look at people in California now and I just think, my word. But uh, California is obviously a different place. But, you know, we're not taught up, brought up using all of these kind of really emotionally intelligent words. And if we can't name our emotions with the right word, then that's when we struggle to meet it. And I think one thing actually in my psychotherapy training that I'm doing is it's about one of the things you can do as a therapist and a counsellor is um, like offer names of feelings to try on. So for example, if like I was having a discussion with you, Louis, and you were telling, you were like, I just feel really overwhelmed. I feel just all just on top of me. And I'd say, well, okay, I'm sensing that you feel um, frustrated. Is it, does, do you feel frustrated? It wouldn't be a question, but it would be that sort of thing. And you'd say, oh, it's not, it's not really frustration. It's, and then you could name it. And so I think, working through that process like with the feelings wheelers and then we go is this how I feel does this like when I use this word does it offer me a sense of relief almost because you, we've named it um that's why like that's one of the reasons they could that they can be so useful but I just wanted to say the girls in the group who shared that like that was really great that was quite a while ago but it was great um Anna what do, what do you think in regards to the question uh I was gonna go with lockdown and obviously this is our third one now, so we should have some level of experience, but it doesn't make it any easier. Um, and I think aiming to keep some kind of routine and structure to your day is important. Um, I mean, I thrive off routine and so lockdown was my worst nightmare. And so making sure that I keep like, the same getting up time and I still have a time where I go out for a walk and train and that sort of thing but I think and this for me was like really um eye-opening no that's the wrong word but when I was having to self-isolate for me that was when I obviously couldn't do anything and that was when I was like okay I'm really going to have to embrace this free time and we're not going to get hopefully we're not going to have to experience a lockdown again and we I suppose make the most of this free time that we do have um so yes whilst keeping some kind of routine is important <laughs> this isn't sounding overly helpful <laughs> but, but like, trying to find the balance between the two that's what yeah yeah I agree do you know what it's funny like, when I did my 10-day isolation it was the easiest part. It was it was the easiest part of this lockdown I think I've done, or of all the lockdowns that I've done, because it was like I really cannot go anywhere. I am absolutely going to spend an hour on my morning routine. I am absolutely going to watch Netflix for a whole hour a night without looking at my phone because what what a luxury! And it's funny, it's like a shift with that. Obviously, you had COVID, so you had the added <laughs> illness on top of that. Um, but yeah, I did it. What it, yeah. I did experience quite something similar what I would say I suppose is maybe a little bit different stance in that I would say we like we have to be now more accountable to ourselves than we've ever been in the sense of we spoke about this about this a little bit last week but we have to be accountable to how to our structure and to our management strategies and to how we are treating ourselves and to the joy that we're finding and our training and our movement all of these things we have to say do you know what? I don't really want to do this. Every, nobody is enthusiastic, particularly about anything right now. And it's like, 
it's not about who wants it more. I mean, it might be in this minute little bodybuilding circle that survives somewhere. But in general speak, you know, it's not about who wants it more. It's about keeping your sanity and keeping your mental health strong. And as much as we can do that, obviously, there are lots of confounders there. But and it's about keeping your keeping enjoyment somewhere in your life. And like you, you, we often say this, that you can't just wait to, to fall in love with yourself. You can't just wait to improve your relationship with food. I mean, to some extent you can. As you get older, it gets easier, right? In general, often. Um, but not always. You, but you now, in lockdown, you can't just wait to feel good again. Because ultimately, no, like we have no idea when this is going to end in the UK at all, really. Mm-hmm. And I just choose not to imagine it. So we have to, I think we have to be quite accountable to ourselves and to our boundaries. You know, work boundaries, really important right now. Are you, have you fallen back into that routine of checking your emails at 10 o'clock at night? All of these things, like be accountable to yourself. Like we're here as coaches to, to support that accountability, but we don't really know what's going on when we're not doing your updates and you've not told us X, Y, and Z. So that would be my take. Yeah, I think the element of fun, having something fun, I've, I downloaded a morning journal that I really got on well with, but now I've got the six minute journal that I do every morning. Um, but on this one that I had before, it asks the question of like, give a brief description of what a good outcome would be for today. And it's got the five F's they call them and it's focus. So what you focus on today, fitness, if you want to do any exercise, family focus, finance and then fun is a main thing as well. So when I was doing that every morning, I'd have to reflect on, so how am I going to improve these today? And having a focus on fun, I found a lot of days that was a massive struggle for me, as in taking my mind away, going, I need to do more, I need to do more. And I'd get overwhelmed. I'd get overwhelmed. And it was forcing myself to have fun in a way and find some joy in the day. And like, right, I'm going to go and do this today. And because it's scheduled into my planner it's it removes the almost like an element of guilt that I was probably feeling and and anticipating around it going well nobody's really having fun at the moment and like I should be doing more and all these times of things all these shoulds when actually scheduling in and going right this is I'm going to do this for an hour and I'm going to be fully focused on having fun and enjoying that and that was really really helpful to me Mm. I like that um okay uh Anna do you have a question Yes. Um, oh, how do you three incorporate self-love, whatever you do, into your busy days? How do you stop yourselves using phones, etc., before bed? Um, yeah, yeah. A focus on self-care, I think. Um, so, what what do we do? How do we implement it when it's busy days and struggling to fit it in? I think we've spoken about this quite a bit before. I think it's about having non-negotiables that you're not too busy to to breathe for two minutes. That's that's a short, very short meditation. You can put some like put your hand on your heart or whatever for some sort of added self-compassion benefit to that. You know, there's. I, I think that I think that we have covered this quite a bit before, so I don't really want to repeat myself, but. It's about saying this is my boundary and I need this for my sanity. So this is what I'm going to do regardless. And we've spoken about what our non-negotiables are. Um, and also identifying when you, like the times that you actually need it a bit more. So, for example, for me right now, with my bloody hair falling out, I'm like, I do need to spend a little bit more time on my actual 
hair care routine, that self-care, which I wouldn't normally do. Things like that where you, that's a really, really obvious one, right? But I was having a discussion actually with Adele who used to, um, Adele used to be a client of mine, but she's great. If anyone doesn't follow her actually, she's on Instagram as Body Positive Mom. She's fantastic. You guys obviously know Adele. And um, she said to me the other day, she said, you know, you've got that thing. And she has this too, where you could pick up things that are wrong with your body and you just act on them straight away. And I think that's one of the things that comes with being obviously much more intuitive in general. You start to get more in touch with your body. So I think, again, lockdown is a great time for that, to actually listen to yourself and say, like self-care for me is your body feels exhausted, right? Your self-care today is going to be taking a rest. Or actually on Saturday, I literally didn't move from the sofa. I can't remember what I was doing. And then I actually I did. I painted one, like one wall. Anyway. Then the next day I woke up and I was in pain and my friend was like, oh, that's really weird. Maybe you need to rest. And I was like, I don't. I just need to move my body because that's like that's my self-care. And I think listening to yourself, it's a really good way of deciding how much hashtag self-care that you take like that day or that week, maybe, or that month. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really... I try and remind myself of my, of my long-term goals and ensure that my actions match them long-term. And that's ensuring that I'm acting from a nourishing perspective and nourishing as in like nutrition, as in movement, as in mobility, as in rest, as in my social connections. That's a massive thing for me at the moment. Um, so making sure that I've got like three four or five maybe phone calls a week maybe daily phone calls if i need them with friends or family and making sure that i'm catching up with them even if and all the phone calls are exactly the same at the moment there's nothing new to tell each other it's always oh so how are you and they're like same same how are you same same but then we get into it and we discuss a good thing at the moment with my parents is that the rugby's on at the moment so we can discuss the rugby or we discuss things that are going in the news and most of it's quite nothing but it's just nice to talk to someone especially if you're spending quite a lot of time by yourself um i'm part of a group full of um three or four of the sort of self-employed nutritionists online and we've got a little group that we just check in on each other every few days and it's like so how are we all genuinely feeling and do you want to have a catch up this week and maybe we'll have a drink over skype or something just to have a genuine catch up with each other and looking out for each other so making sure that i've got those social interactions making sure that i'm ensuring that i'm getting enough good nutrition within my diet and i'm not um missing out on stuff like fiber hydration all those types of things protein and then also moving myself each day because i know if i move more often i usually sleep better if i sleep better then i'm usually improving my mood and i improve my decisions the next day so all these types of things i do mm, i would have a list if it's if of course you would of course you would of course because I like lists and I like planning but on those busy days if you've got a list of however many that take less than five minutes like you said with breathing or mini meditation and then like under 10 minutes I don't know if you can do your nails in 10 minutes I don't know but that sort of thing so you've kind of got well I've got this amount of time pick one job done and you know that and that might vary depending how you feel but equally if you're able to give yourself that time you can do something positive that's going to help you feel good mm -hmm. yeah I do like a list <laughs> <laughs> 
nothing wrong with a lift. <laughs> my friend, my friend checks in on my anxiety levels by my list levels. She's like, you sound like you sound like you're getting into that productivity cycle again. Are you writing your lists? Because I would write lists about my lists and then I would backtrack on my day and write down exactly what I was doing at each moment, pretty much like each half an hour slot. And then that's usually when I'm anxiety. And she's like, you're writing lists, aren't you? No, I promise. <laughs> Yes. So this one's quite an interesting one um, from a client. So, would you recommend a degree in nutrition or a professional qualification slash course? I've always been interested in it, but I don't know that that's enough to make me a good nutritionist. What are your thoughts? And that goes to Amelia. I think interest and passion is enough to make you good at it. Okay, interest, passion, empathy um, are things, and empathy is quite natural, but also is a skill. Then, yes, it's enough to be good at it, I think. I, I would say there's so many options, right, to, to train. And I actually, someone asked me on Instagram today about diet, dietetics versus nutrition. And you've kind of got the clinical route of dietetics if you're interested in more of the clinical side. You've got if you want to be a chartered nutritionist, which I think is moving forwards, that may well come into play. Um, then you need to go to university and do an accredited degree or get sufficient experience. You can do, or at the moment you can do, you can become a registered nutritionist, like we are if you do a university course, or you can do a, a like an additional, like a professional qualification like Anna did um, and like EIQ, where you... Can, you can use nutrition within your daily practice of for example being a personal trainer and they all have strengths and like like I'm a certified nutritionist right so it, they all have strengths that lose um, an associate registered nutrition time and registered nutritionist so if you really love it then yeah and obviously like bias I think it's the best job in the entire world genuinely do think that um except maybe Beyonce actually to be fair no maybe um so yeah I definitely think so and the thing is as well like depending on what which route you want to go down you don't necessarily have to have a science background like if you go to uni there are certain prerequisites um of science or certain well it depends on which uni you go to but you usually need some science math etc but like with um professional qualifications obviously you don't need that and everyone every different every professional qualification has got a different background so yeah do you, you have any, do you have anything to say on that? No, no. I think, like you said, so long as you're interested and I think passionate about about it, then that's enough to enough to push you into push you into doing it, but give you the drive to do it. Mm. Yeah, hundred percent. And like, um, I dealt with people on my master's course so my background is in sports science and then went to nutrition for my master's and there were people on my master's course who had no background in any sort of science they were going from like business backgrounds and stuff and but they were looking to go into more sort of nutritional business or food policy those sorts of things and like there's lo- like Amelia said there's loads of pros and cons um people will try and tell you that one's better than the other but as we all know within each group there's better and worse practitioners as well so um do what you think is best um this client in particular has just started another degree but she's like oh actually i'm really interested in nutrition um but um 
yeah, it was just an interesting question because I know that we've all got sort of different backgrounds and how we got into it and stuff. Mm. Okay, next question. Um, half, half of a question. Um, okay, let me just check. Um, do you think, okay, this, this will relate, I suppose, more so to me and Anna, I guess. Um, do you think you could have achieved the same physique you have now if you hadn't competed for years beforehand? Do you? The physique I've got now? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> probably have been a lot more enjoyable too, if I'm, if I'm totally honest. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. To give okay, so let's put this into a bit of perspective, and I'm sure you, Anna, you won't mind me saying this, but feel free to interject if, if I am wrong here. Both myself and Anna in the past have competed. Both myself and Anna in the past have had more muscle mass than we do now. I think that's fair to say. I think <laughs> because because not that we've actively tried to lose muscle. It's just that over time, you know, life happens, and we've prioritized, for example consistent training and we've prioritized life potentially over consistent training and always hitting our protein and x y and z um i know i've lost quite a lot of muscle i personally think that i probably wouldn't have as much muscle now if i hadn't competed but on, i only say that because a i've definitely lost muscle but b i competed for like four four and a half years and so that was four and a half years of genuinely super structured progressive overload nailing everything 100% pretty much the whole time so I, if I hadn't competed I probably wouldn't have done that I also probably wouldn't have the knowledge that I do now to actually get the physique I know that it doesn't come from competing but like you learn a lot through going through it I think so I think yeah I think I probably wouldn't but I could get to this point if I just trained properly like like I said I just probably wouldn't have trained properly I think is the thing mm, yeah it's, in, it's it's interesting but then I spent two years training with someone else that was he wasn't a bodybuilder he just really enjoyed training and we both had well it's weird to think that I was actually like a bit of a like, like I'd do deathly sessions and that sort of thing, like genuine love for it aside from any kind of physique goals so maybe if I'd have carried on training with him and not done years of prep, I'd be an absolute monster by now. We never know. <laughs> I can see it now. Right. <laughs> um, the other half of this question, I'm just trying to make sense of it. I'm going to say, ask it to you, Louie. Um, she saw something on my story about getting an aesthetic physique and competing or adopting a similar lifestyle. Um, actually, I think that's, no, I actually think it's the same question. I reversed that. I thought it was, I think it was just a bit of prerequisite question. Ignore me. Ignore me, Anna, question. What should we go for? Um, is there any difference in maintaining body composition in different body fat percentages? I don't mean extremes, but for example, for an average woman, is it harder to maintain their muscle mass and body fat when they're at 23% body fat than when it is when they're 25, 28 or whatever, if that makes sense. Um, if it makes the hypothesis simpler, we can assume they train at the level to keep the, their existing muscle and not progressively overloading. 
No. <laughs> no. So, yes, no. So we get slight changes in, for example, um, anabolic potential slightly at extreme ends. So when people are very lean and when people are very um, overweight or, yeah. But in the general sense of the word, um, if you are at a kind of comfortable settling range, um, then, no, it doesn't matter if you are, quote, unquote, 20% or 25% body fat, it makes no difference to maintain. And I, I think I think it's always really person specific as well. Like some people will feel good at a certain body, like body composition for them, um, and some people will feel good at a slightly different body composition for them, and then they train better and it's easier for them to maintain. Whereas, like, so I was speaking to Chloe Madeley about this the other day actually because she was doing pull ups. She was like, the only time I can do pull ups is when I'm I've lost this much, this many kilograms because I'm lighter and therefore I, it's easier to do pull ups. And it's that same sort of premise of like, there's a trade-off and it, it's a different place for everyone. Like I know if I was 5% body fat, I don't use percentage body fats, but say I did. If I was 5% less body fat, I probably would be not training as well. So it would be harder for me to maintain, but other people are more comfortable leaner. So I think it's, mm. yeah. Yeah. I think that there's so many moving factors there. It's, and it's not just existing by itself of whether muscle mass happens there or not there's like so many other facets influence how you train and therefore and your recovery and how therefore if your body retains muscle mass and then everyone's so much so much more individual as well that i think it'd be even it'd be very difficult i don't even think there's any research on that aspect and i think it'd be very hard to conduct research on that as well because muscle mass is just so hard to actually read mm. Interesting question, though. Mm -hmm. um, yes. So, I this is an interesting one, and I'll put it over to Anna. So, any dietary, lifestyle, or coping strategies that you recommend for menstrual cramps? I've heard that a higher protein diet potentially might help, but um, have you got any advice or any coping strategies? um in terms of protein i don't know amelia no yeah. no yeah. um but i spoke about it uh the other day on my story in that pms in general can can be eased with movement and some kind of exercise even if it's not your typical training like even just getting out for a walk um or some stretching uh can be useful um do you know, I actually saw there's this like physio guy on Instagram that is really annoying that does stretches specific to, um, I, yeah, I know. And I'm like, I look at them and I'm like, they're not, they're not, no, just, I'm so fed up of people telling like women how they're going to feel. And I'm like, just sod off. <laughs> um, but yeah, some kind of movement. Um chocolate is always good for me and a hot bath <laughs> that's yeah yeah that's me yeah there's no dietary there's no dietary protocol I, I imagine right that the people that say higher protein diet potentially is because you would slightly reduce your fiber intake and when you know when you've got PMS you feel bloated and you think you kind of associate the bloat with the pain and I, I imagine it comes from something like that you slightly reduce your fiber because you're eating more protein and and but it, it, there's no reason why that would work 
it would just be anecdotal placebo type effect. Um, there's no evidence that says actually we would get like this like slight shift in fuel use in PMS, but it's so negligible. There's no reason why changing your diet would impact that. Um, I mean, I agree with Anna. It's, it's vile sometimes, really vile. Um, hot water bottle and feel sorry for yourself and allow it like allow it but I don't know that sounds pathetic but most months I'm like oh I'm just gonna take advantage like this week when I had my dominoes on yesterday at lunchtime and I was like and my chocolate for my dinner I was like I've got PMS like I had like and I don't need to justify it but at the same time it's like what what a treat for my PMS I've got my pizza and my chocolate and I just yeah and, and pain-wise take some painkillers like if it's sore like I know it sucks, but it's, yeah, it's what it is, unfortunately. Awesome. Thank you. Um, okay. I've been binge listening to the podcast every opportunity I have. I listen to it and honestly, it's just fab. I learned so much from it. Now, thank you, Anna and Lou are all amazing. Just want to know how you're all doing and how you're all finding this lockdown in comparison to the previous ones. Lou? Um... I'm not going to lie, I am struggling a bit, this one, compared to previous ones, I think. The first one was probably easier for me because it was almost a bit new and there was all these promises that we were told that never came to fruition. And then the second one was quite short, it was like November, it was only like two weeks, was it? Um, and then this one, I just feel that everyone's sort of running on empty a little bit and therefore... I'm feeling it from them and then but I'm also feeling it myself and yeah it's it's just about taking it day to day for me personally um that's how I'm sort of managing best is sort of planning out my day trying to get my non-negotiables in but and try not to look too far ahead at any sort of um promises that have been made by the government or anything like that because I feel that I've over the last however many months we've all been put through it but then there's always been these promises and that I've, I've got my hopes up personally for um only to be sort of like look where we are now so yeah I'm I'm struggling I'm getting by okay but um yeah I found this one the toughest out of the out of three how about you Anna I each lockdown I've had to give myself a few weeks to get used to having no routine and finding a new routine which I don't like <laughs> but um I'd say like I was saying earlier since having to self-isolate I feel all right and days are getting longer um even with the snow was it last week the week before I don't know but days are longer I feel quite good at the moment and things are sounding pretty promising um and in a way, I just hope that he keeps, he doesn't open things up and lift restrictions sooner than he should be. Because I'd really like to think this is the last time we need to do this now. Um, but yeah, I will just keep plodding along. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just finding, I'm just not, I, I don't really look at the news genuinely anymore at all. Um, I don't anticipate anything. I'm not, I'm, when I'm programming for clients, I'm programming for the next four to six weeks of lockdown. Like, and that's kind of how I'm approaching it. And it's not because I'm a pessimist, it's because I don't 
for as I now know that I don't find the benefit of being like, oh, maybe we could get to the gym on this. Maybe I could go hiking on this time. And it's just not helpful. Like I would never complain. I would never complain this lockdown because obviously I went away and I was really lucky. And so I'm finding it, I'm finding it fine. And I'm very, very busy with my uni course. So like I'm buzzing for that at the moment. So it really gives me literally uh, this sounds this sounds really arsy but actually every day when I wake up at the moment if it's a busy client day I'm like I'm so grateful I've got a busy client day and I get excited to hear from people and then I've got college and I'm like I'm really excited for college and so I'm I'm in one of those phases I get so excited to see my best friend like all of these things so I'm really really I think I'm really lucky for that that being said my mum had a really really bad bout of covid um, and that was quite tough because I was useless I felt useless but um she's much better thanks to my sister and all of her friends like all my mum's friends so that's great um so like challenges like everyone else but I think for myself because last year was so bad I'm really like I'm so lucky that I'm not in that place anymore and I'm really grateful and I've come out of it so yeah um, yeah did you say just butting in that two bros put up their calendar and the first show is 13th of March I was like piss off how how will we no no guys <laughs> like, oh. the, remember last year when we went into lockdown and they said they were still going to run a show yeah I know it's been like I'm sorry what just oh, bloody wow. Absolutely. yeah it wasn't you meant to do a public uh event weren't you Amelia and like and that mm. got cancelled and then we were all like, oh, it's proper lockdown. And they were like, still on for the weekend. And everyone's like, so I'm prepping. And we're like, are they for real? Like, do they real? Do they listen to the news? Are they socially aware? And it was all these types of, like, it was massively irresponsible what they were planning on doing. But then they called it off like a day or two before, didn't they? But that was already a couple of days into lockdown, wasn't it? Yeah, it was odd. But there was like a, a delay. Because I remember I pulled out of an event because I was like, I don't want to do it because of what's going on. And they hadn't cancelled it yet. So I think there was like a delay of stuff and then that cancelled and then things. I mean, I mean, I guess, again, like I choose to believe that's coming from a place of fear. That's why they've done that. And I, so I understand, but it's not helpful. Like, I've just accepted I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to Scotland in June and go for get a camper van and do these <laughs> things. And hopefully I'll go somewhere in September. And, you know, I think planning for March is, is I mean, bold. Mm. But we'll see what happens with that. Um, uh, Anna, question. Is it my turn? Um, I'm going to aim this one at Louis. Any tips for jogging and how good is it for you in general why are you you not asking me that question sorry uh (laughs) do you run as frequently as louis i never run (laughs) (laughs) um first of all jogging is amazing um i am a massive fan of it now which if you'd asked me about 18 months ago i think because i I think Holly's got a photo of me, I think, because she was into running. And then I was like, oh, I sh- I'll try and get into running because like it, I need something to do. And I think I ran a 5K and I sent her a photo afterwards. It's like, like, I hate this. And this was probably like February last year. Um, and with me, it had always been a love-hate relationship that I'd always go out far too quickly, try and keep at the pace and then I just blow up and then I just hang on for dear life for the rest of the run when actually 
since I've sort of got into more pacing strategies and things like that. So things that I'd known about for a while, but never put into practice. Knowing and not doing is the same as not knowing. And I'd done that for so long that um, I just thought that was what running was about, just going out as quick as you can. Um, and when you're running in like zone four, it, it's uncomfortable. But if you run in like zone two, which is a very casual, and it's often when you see people jogging down the street and they're with a friend and they're chatting, that's the sort of pace that you're going at. So you can have a conversation and I'd highly recommend people trying that pace. It feels really slow. It'll feel like I can't really like, I should be going quicker. Don't cause this is sort of like a nice easy pace. And most of the time, to be honest, I've sort of adapted that if I do a zone three or zone four run, I'll feel it the next day a bit. But if I do like a couple of hours of zone two or like an hour of zone two, the next day I'll be like, I, I can't even tell that I've run that day because it's just so low intensity and it it's really good for sociable. So I can run with other people. You get time to sort of take in your surroundings a bit more because you're not worried about dying because you're hanging out your bum. Um, and it's just so much more enjoyable to actually start a bit slower. So I'd highly recommend getting into it. And I think in the next couple of months, fingers crossed, running clubs will be one of the main things that are sort of kicking off because a lot of people have picked up running during lockdown um, and signed up to an event if you can, because I feel like they'll be going ahead in the next couple of months as well because they've sort of found ways around that during when everything was eased last year. They found ways around it then with like virtual intros and things. So if you are getting into it, I'd highly recommend sort of maybe setting a a goal if you can that in the next couple of months or whatever to run a certain distance um and then yeah it's just phenomenal for health in general and phenomenal for your overall well-being um your joints and everything like that as as long as you are not jumping into far too deep at the deep end and running yourself to ground like five times a week from nothing take it slow take it steady and you'll feel so much better for it so yes anything else that i've missed out there i feel like i've just got gone off on a rant and sort of preaching about running there yeah and i'm not against running i like a zone two run like Lou said that's what a zone two <laughs> run is i'm i'm gonna do that the only time i run usually is like if i'm with Libby, like my sister or my mom and i'll be like so it happens like two or three times a year and i'm like oh, now i'm gonna impress her with my knowledge because she my sister's like a marathon runner slash triathlete i'm gonna be like let's do a zone two run i mean it'd be like <laughs> Be like a zone zero point five run. <laughs> oh, I like it. Noted. Um, okay, Lou, you got a question? Yes, this one's a bit of a fun one. Um, if you could do only one exercise movement for the rest of your life, what would it be, and why? And Amelia, why would it be burpees? <laughs> I've still not programmed the burpee for anyone yet. I, I have threatened two of my clients with burpees. One because she was forgetting to take something, and a supplement, nothing. <laughs> and one because she told me that chocolate belonged in the cupboard and not the fridge. So she also was threatened with them. Um, I'm going to say RDLs, and it's and and it's slight, slightly functional in the sense of um, I like it's a it's a compound lift. It's specifically hamstrings and glutes, and actually. Because of the mechanics, I think they're better for glutes than hip thrusts. Um, but I also enjoy it. Uh, I like the progression in it. And um, I think that's my only reason. I don't really have any more reasons <laughs> What's your, Dana? Uh, just conventional deadlift. Ooh. Strongest lift. 
uh, always makes me like even you know even on the days where you're not feeling particularly strong so you just like I'll just rep out and yeah it's I love it angry day nail it brilliant good choice what's yours Lee? um for me I do like an RDL but maybe something like a front squat I oh do my quite, god yeah <laughs> I think I feel like it, it's really good to one to help the depth of squats for me and improving that um and then core stability and i find them not they're hard but enjoyable when i find that deadlifts are just hard <laughs> like so um i'd probably go for a front squat to be honest i used to i used to when i had a coach like 10 years ago whenever it was and I, like, he said, you put front squats in my program at like, once. And I, I literally would cry. It's like, And it was before I realised I could say, I really don't want to do this lift. And I, that was the only lift, that and split squats, actually, that physically made me cry. Front squats give me the heebie-jeebies. Louie, I feel like I, I just look at you differently. What's like, wrong with them? Let's, let's discuss what's wrong with them. You know, them. I don't like the pressure on mobility. That, that's what I don't like. I don't like the requirement for mobility when like if I really want to get in and do like a heavy lift my mobility would hamper me on front squats and so for me it, like I've never put the work in to change that because I hate I just don't enjoy the lift I just find it just like it. <laughs> you know the first session back when the gyms reopened after the first lockdown and obviously it had to be a leg session but because I'd spent however many months just with a kettlebell doing goblet squats, when I went to do a back squat, I was like, I can't do it. <laughs> I, like, I have to do a front squat. I was like, oh, oh what God. is this? Disaster. It was awful. I was like, I don't think I can do this at all. I've been doing them um, like Zercher lunges outside. They're quite, they're, I quite like them because they don't require mobility. And like I saw um, someone do like kind of like walking lunge I saw Dr Mike actually doing Zercher um <laughs> it's his face when he does <laughs> lunges yeah and I was like do you know what I'm gonna try and do them so I'm basically doing them as like walking lunges in my driveway like but very narrow deep walking lunges so like literally like 20 centimeter steps and I don't need to and it's good because if you've got weights at home but you don't have like a rack to put on your back you don't need to worry like it's really easy to lift weight so I quite enjoy that movement at the moment actually actual enjoyment of a home training lift anyway that was a digression <laughs> um my question come on okay i would love to hear you guys discuss challenging your mindset around progress metrics for example the challenge of using the scale as a progress metric diet culture tells us that all that that's all that matters some anti-diet culture folks say it doesn't matter at all and even looking at the scale is disordered how do you manage to stay in the in-between area and what is your rationale for the same? Does anybody want to jump in on that? Something we've spoken about before in sometimes it can be useful to stop the scales altogether, but equally for some people it's useful to weigh in more frequently so that the number on them means less and less when you see the daily uh, fluctuations it becomes less important in in general. Um, and I think 
it's worth giving it a go, giving both a go. If if you're finding that you're fixated on the scale and weighing yourself more frequently, then try going without. Um, but if you if you are just weighing weekly and finding whatever happens, um, like a lot of my clients that check in on Sunday or Monday, it's the worst day ever to do it. And you ask them to weigh in more frequently and they're like, oh, well, actually, if you look at the weekly trend, it's coming down. It's just because I had pizza on Saturday night or whatever else it was. Um, see, it's fine. Don't panic. <laughs> mm. Do you want to go there? I thought you were going to say something. Am I still muted? No, you're good. And there we go. So I think a massive thing is understanding what that actually measures, the pros and cons of that measurement and the limitations of it as well and what it actually does. So I think a lot of people will get on the scales and build that bad relationship with scales because they see they potentially relate any changes to body fat levels and the oh it's gone up it's gone up a pound oh so i put a pound of fat on and it's like no that's not how this works and almost that education around how the day-to-day fluctuations probably won't tell us anything it's the consistent changes over long periods of time and then looking at the limitations of how salt carbohydrates information from training all these types of things time of the month all these things can influence it and almost detaching and assessing what that value means to you because if you place all your self-worth on that value and it's not playing ball that week then you might feel that all that work's gone to waste but actually if we look at it as a multiple measures of success and going right so how do you feel this week how's your sleep how's your training how are your social relationships what have you done this week all these types of things that say if you're sleeping better you're training better you're more active you're enjoying your social relationships more you've got more fruit food freedom all these types of things but the scale's not gone down and you go that's really annoyed me reframing going well how would i prefer it would i prefer it that the scale went down and i was getting worse in all these areas because that's potentially an option as well that if we sacrifice everything for weight loss then that's not going to be sustainable and that's where people tend to go dichotomous thinking where scale's the main thing that they're focusing on so having multiple measures of success success and not getting too attached to any of them and not getting too attached to weighing in everyday weight and testing yourself with these and going i'm not going to weigh in today and challenging the reason why that you might not weigh in today i'm going to weigh in tomorrow instead okay what how does that make me feel and questioning all those types of thoughts feelings around that as well Yeah, I agree. I think taking a more broader kind of holistic view in terms of diet culture, anti-diet culture, etc. You know, there are points to all of it. And obviously, like this person said, like we kind, kind of try and see the nuance in it. And that the issue with kind of anti-diet culture saying you shouldn't weigh yourself or you shouldn't be told to lose weight is because it's this backlash and it's, and it's fair of people who are in larger bodies going to the doctors and rather than being told let's work on your healthy behaviours, they're told, let's lose weight. And that's, and that's the issue. That's the issue that has, has kind of brought to light this idea of not using scale weight because, of, because actually these healthy behaviours matter potentially more. That being said, on the other side of things, if you have a larger, a, a larger amount of body fat at a certain point, it is going to be detrimental to your health. And in order for that body fat to be lost through those healthy behaviours, yes, you will lose weight 
and scale weight can be a really helpful marker of that. Um, I think that I think that if you're somebody who's working on your relationship with food and you're not dieting, then why are you weighing yourself? I would say that. And I say that as someone who hasn't weighed in years and years. What is it what actually is it telling you? Because you know you're healthy or or you're working towards being healthy, what difference does the scale weight scale make? And usually it's some sort of attachment you've got to it from when you were ten years ago and you knew that if you went above this weight it meant that you needed to lose weight. That's that's often a lot what it comes down to in this kind of idea of course of controlling scale weight, controlling other parts of your life. Um, but if you're somebody who's got healthy relationship food, with food and you're dieting, then scale weight is really great indicator of whether you're dropping body fat or not. And it, especially if you're working with a coach, it can be really helpful. But again, it's not necessary. And again, we've got clients who drop body fat and are, are on fat loss diets, but they don't weigh themselves because we don't need it. But it is a helpful a helpful indicator. And, and there's so much space. Like again, there's so much space to kind of fight in either direction it's not that it's not that you shouldn't use scale weight unless you have a negative relationship with it if you're trying to drop body fat it's just that it you that's not the first it shouldn't be the first point of call when you're looking to improve your health the first thing shouldn't be i need to drop scale weight it should be looking at all of these other helpful healthful habits um but i would challenge anyone that listens to this that's got a healthy relationship with food to say why are you weighing yourself like i think that that I think challenge your thoughts around what if one of us, whoever your coach is, or said to you, like, from now on, I don't want to know your scale weight and I actually want to throw your scales out. What thoughts would go through your head? And I would challenge anyone to kind of think, what am I telling myself if I don't weigh myself? Am I going to completely lose control? Or how am I going to judge my success of my eating, etc.? How am I going to judge if I'm being intuitive or not because I don't know if I'm maintaining weight? Um, I think for reference, like, so for, so for example, for me, I would say that my weight probably goes up and down five kilos every month. There's like, not every month, but like over time, up and down all the time. Um, and I, but I don't know. And that's because I'm intuitively eating more sometimes than intuitively eating less. And I'm not a quote unquote intuitive eater, but we're not even going to go into that. So yeah, I think that's how we navigate it. We make space for nuance, which is a really difficult thing to do, I think. Yeah, I think as with all these types of things it's a tool and knowing when to use the right tool at the right time and knowing how to use that tool what it's good for what it might not be good for and that there's other tools in the toolbox that can help you achieve those things is important so it's nothing like if you want to lose weight you don't need a weighing scale we there's other ways we can go around this and i've had clients before who have never weighed in and we've worked towards weight loss goals and that's the way they wanted to do it but then also, if it is a, I don't want to weigh, maybe looking into potentially why that might be and challenging that a little bit, because there may be a time in the future where you might need to know your body weight, for example. And if we can address that now and actually get you in a more balanced and neutral place about it's just data. And that's the thing with all these things. It's just data. It doesn't define you. It doesn't define whether you're successful or fail that week, all these types of things, then we may they'll prevent it becoming a bigger issue further down the line potentially if you need to do it mm. okay we'll go for we'll have more question yeah. um anna uh yes um this is it's quite an interesting one so this client says i am i'm feeling really 
confident in myself and self-belief has come on leaps and bounds but I am worried that people will start to think that I've become arrogant and obnoxious how would I overcome this fuck them that's what I would say I would say that I would say that it's what other people think of you is not is none of your business and you're never going to be able to change someone's perception of you it's not your job to change someone's perception of you it's your job to keep your boundaries it's your job to spread love where you can it's your job to create good connections and if someone genuinely has an opinion of you that is negative about you and feeling confident and that's not somebody that is useful to have around and to care about their opinion it's 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 not a woman thing right it's not and this is not me talk like I am I'm going to talk about the patriarch but it's not specifically a women thing but in general a lot of the time as well we are conditioned to not look too confident because it's not attractive and it's it's pushy and it's bossy and it's it's arrogant um you wouldn't like you wouldn't often you wouldn't often, and this is not always, and Leo will interject here, I'm sure, but you wouldn't often hear a man saying, I'm worried about sounding too confident. So what, there's there's a definite thread there of women feeling like they don't want to sound too confident because it's off-putting, because that's not what nice women do. So fuck them, again, that's what I say. Um, Lou, what do you think? 100% agree. I think that what they think what they think of you isn't of your business and that is not yours to worry about right there's nothing wrong with confidence and i think especially in britain we're sort of got that, what's that is it called tall poppy syndrome that we want people to do well but not too well and we don't want people to we want people to be like and it's you see the difference if you um interact like when you see a british person an american person interact that British person is like, oh, like imagine going up to a British person going, oh, I hear your business going really well. They'll go, oh, it's doing okay. Like it's, but then it's an American might, and this is me massively generalizing here, would be like, yeah, I'm doing really well. And we'd take that badly and go, all right, like calm down um, as a British person when actually they're just telling you the facts. And if it's, if you truly believe in yourself and you're confident in your ability, then arrogance is what they perceive then that's their problem like if you're if you're seeing yourself as i'm just confident in my ability and i believe i can do these things then it, that's all you've got to worry about really yeah absolutely Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note <laughs> um, excellent questions as always keep them coming and also thanks everyone who shared the last episode Keep asking questions, keep sharing, and any topics you want, ever want us to discuss, we always will. And obviously, there's a Facebook post too if you want to put them on your Facebook post rather than in your client updates. So, thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.